I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. And uh, she is the author of 16 books. She is, uh, has got another one on the way. That's her memoir. And uh, she is the uh, subject, uh, was the subject of a long radio uh, series and podcast series. Now she's, of course, the host of her own radio and podcast show. And you can get us on so many different outlets. She's the subject of a documentary. She does quite a few things well. She is the Grandma Moses of media. Uh, and, and other than the, the books, she had started all electronic media uh, not too long ago. And, uh, and, and she does it so well. And uh, let me, without further ado, uh, bring on our host each and every week, Florence Byham Weinberg. Doc, how are you? Okay, well, thanks for that uh, compliment. <laughs> I feel very insecure about it because, I, as you say, I came to it rather lately in my life, uh, and I don't think I'm doing as good a job as I ought to be, but, uh, but I try. <laughs> You're doing pretty damn good. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. Uh, the only thing is the circumstances that are out there uh, you know, might not agree with you or, or, or your following, and uh, but it's explaining what they are and maybe uh, you know you know maybe being able to put into perspective uh, some of the uh, some of the concerns people have that they might not get from mainstream uh, media. Well, yes, uh, I think if they look for it, they'll find it. But uh, uh, but anyway, I'm going to put a few things together. Uh, some of it people might not know already. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to talk about the uh, this past election, uh, as most people <laughs> most people are doing the same thing. Uh, and uh, uh, my meditations on what really happened uh, have come up with uh, with a few considerations. Uh, Democrats actually came out. Democratic voters came out in most states in record numbers, but in Texas. Uh, voters in the cities came out for about 44% of registered voters came out in the cities, and the cities were uh, were Democrat, so they were blue, and the rest of the state was red, bright red. And, however, only 21% uh, of voters came out in rural Texas, but since most of Texas is rural, that was a lot of people in Texas. Uh, maintained the status quo, uh, actually. So none of the uh, Republican uh, political leaders lost their their posts. Uh, and I think possibly apathy in voters was caused by the conviction that moneyed interests would buy the election anyway. And so why, why, why bother go out and vote? Uh, and I think that happened in Texas for sure. But in any case, I ran across something uh, on uh, on internet, which is uh, Adam Schiff, uh, who is one of the prominent uh, congressmen right now, Democrat, uh, on the January 6th committee, very prominent also. Um, he has sent a petition to the Senate to abolish the filibuster and pass House legislation uh, during the lame duck session to strengthen voting rights and abolish partisan gerrymander while we still have a chance. Uh, 
so I got to thinking about that. Um, he he maintains that gerrymander was the Republicans' only salvation from a historic flop because uh, Florida gave the House four new uh, con- congressional seats, and Tennessee uh, broke Nashville, uh, which is mainly black, uh, into a multitude of congressional districts. Uh, and the, uh, that, that diluted the power of the black vote in Tennessee. And uh, also they eliminated a Democratic seat, so they gained five seats in Tennessee through filibustering. Not filibustering, I mean uh, gerrymandering. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is all gerrymandering. Sure. Uh, Ohio defied a panel of judges that said that their map was illegal because heavily gerrymandered, uh, but they used it anyway, and they gained six seats in the House. Alabama, Georgia, and Louisiana uh, used racist gerrymandering and picked up nine seats among the three of them, and that adds up to 24 new seats for Republicans in the House. And that was um, that was how they gained the majority. Hmm. And so gerrymandering is doing a very good job uh, for the Republican Party. And uh, there's absolutely no chance uh, that uh, the House will produce any legislation against gerrymandering. In fact, they'll probably make it worse. Uh, so uh, as... Adam Schiff says we uh, we would have to we that is we Democrats uh, in Congress would have to abolish partisan gerrymandering. Why we still have a chance? But of course we're fighting the filibuster and doing that or trying to do that. And so personally, I think this is a very wonderful thing to try. But I have very little optimism that it, it can happen. Okay, so we have, um, during uh, 2021, uh, Congress and the Senate, um, cons- the Congress produced bills, and the Senate considered them more or less. Um, I think McConnell helped, uh, helped, helped to maintain the Republican bloc against them, and uh, with the help of uh, Senators Manchin and Cinnamon, uh, both bills uh, are in abeyance, if not defeated. I think they're just sort of sitting there waiting to see if anybody will finally uh, overcome the filibuster. Uh, and the first one I want to talk about briefly is the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill. And that was an act that was passed by uh, by the uh, House in 2021. And um, it is, uh, let's see, there are 15 or more uh, if there. Now, these are all political uh, state and, and political subdivisions. Uh, this is to say that all state and political subdivisions are subject to preclearance. If a uh, the Justice Department or 
uh, courts, federal courts in Washington, deem them to be uh, uh, gerrymandered. In other words, uh, illegally biased according to, uh, uh, to benefit one or another party. And so they break it down uh, 15 or if 15 or more voting rights violations occurred during the previous 25 years, then a map, a gerrymandered map would be stricken down. Uh, or if 10 or more violations during 25 years, if one of them was by the state itself, uh, then it would be the, the map would become illegal. Or if three or more violations occurred during 25, the previous 25 years, if the state administers the elections, then any map that uh, was drawn up under those conditions would be stricken down. Okay, so that's the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and it is directed uh, against gerrymandering, exactly. Um, and then there was the Voting Rights Bill, which was uh, called the Freedom to Vote Act, or the uh, For the People Act, uh, and it was begun in the Senate by Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, it, also in 2021, uh, in September 2021. And she, um, um, she wants the um, uh, voter rights, obviously, to be expanded. Uh, automatic voting, uh, universal voting would be a very good idea, she uh, she proposes. And same-day voting, uh, access voting uh, by mail, mail voting and early voting, remove limits, uh, removing voters from uh, from. Uh, Voter rolls, for instance, would be strictly regulated. And some criminal offenses, such as felons uh, voting after they have served their uh, uh, their sentences, um, they should be allowed to vote again since, uh, according to the law, they have compensated for their crime if they have served their sentence. But at present, if they try to vote in many states, uh, most states, uh, they would be imprisoned because they're still considered felons, even though they have served their sentence. So this voting rights bill would eliminate that uh, that problem for uh, fel felons who have uh, gone through uh, several years of prison or whatever. Hmm. Um, and uh, also, uh, it would make a criminal offense of an attempt to prevent a voter from registering, to uh, corruptly hinder a voter uh, from uh, being able to cast a vote. And it ensures election security, so uh, there, there would be not only supervision of voting of the polls uh, and the voting process, but also there would be post-election audits for federal elections. And no mid-decade redistricting, which is what uh, gerrymandering does, it, at a whim, it, uh, it redistricts 
congressional uh, political uh, constituencies, um, and that would be illegal. And it requires disclosure of fundraising and spending, and this is going to be my next subject. Uh, the, uh, the money, the dark money that's coming into elections these days and certainly came in millions, if not billions, uh, in fact, I think billions, into this election. So uh, there would be disclosure of the source of ads, establishing alternative funding systems uh, for citizen uh, citizen. Uh, for certain for certain federal offices um, and so that that is the content of voting rights bill which is very complex and some say it has too much it's sort of an omnibus bill and had too much in it uh, and so some people were reluctant to consider it even uh, but it it uh, it uh, rated a vote of 420 in a roll call vote. So that's it. It didn't exactly, it's not exactly eliminated. It's just sort of uh, hanging around with uh, 420 votes is, uh, is not half of, the, half of the Senate. And of course, as everybody knows, the Senate has 100 uh, people because there are two senators per state and we have 50 senators. And each state gets two, dis, uh, no matter how, uh, no matter what the difference in population it may be. Uh, the difference between California, I think, is something like uh, uh, 39 million, and the population of Wyoming is 576,000, and they get equal representation in Senate. Um, so that is rather laughable. Yeah, right. And very, uh, it means that uh, a voter in Wyoming has something like uh, 186 times more power than a voter in California. Uh, and so the the only way to rectify that would be to uh, switch to popular votes and eliminate the Electoral College, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, and then we have our Supreme Court interfering with the, the Voter Rights Act was originally published, uh, proc uh, uh, proclaimed. I don't know uh, exactly what date it was. It was somewhere maybe in the 80s. I'm not sure, but... You can Google that and find out right away, and I'm not in front of my computer, so I can't do that. But in any case, the Voter Rights Act originally also prohibited gerrymandering, uh, and the southern states were, um, by law, forced to send their, their redrawn maps uh, to the Justice Department for inspection and clearance. And uh, the Supreme Court turned re uh, overturned that. And the Supreme Court also uh, overturned the provision in the uh, uh, in the Voter Rights Act that limited campaign financing, uh, and particularly uh, campaign 
uh, campaign financing by uh, large groups and corporations. So um, the uh, Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission uh, reversed the, the finance restrictions that had been in existence for over 100 years. And therefore, it caused heavy damage to American democracy um, and the <clears throat> and increase in political corruption. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy argued that limiting independent uh, spending violated the right to free speech. And this proposal of his passed uh, in a five to four decision. And apparently, uh, the assumption was that spending would be uh, transparent and free from corruption. <laughs> this is quite an assumption. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, it would be uh, it would be incorrupt. That is no corruption if independent spenders did not coordinate with a candidate's campaign. And that's, of course, in this new Citizens United law. And so corporations spend unlimited dollars on, uh, uh, on advertisements if they're not formally, formally coordinating with a candidate on, uh, in any political party. So as you've noted, if you know this, you probably noticed that uh, the ads more or less dance around this business of uh, uh, claiming formal coordination with with a candidate. They'll mention the candidate, but usually, uh, often enough, the uh, the candidate is only implied, heavily implied. And the uh, the ads strike at the opposition rather, and and uh, uh, present the opposition as diabolical. So, this most significant outcome of Citizens United was the creation of super PACs. The PAC stands for Political Action Committee. And the explosion of dark money from undisclosed donors. Yeah. And That's the a tricky one. I'm sorry? That's a tricky one. That's a very tricky one. Uh, and the, Bren the Brennan Center reports that a very small group now wields more power than at any time since Watergate. And the top 100 donor millionaires... Uh, are the ones uh, who make up the uh, the dark money, and some of them are out in the open, uh, and and many are are simply behind the scenes, and we don't know who they are. So millionaires and billionaires are in there, um, and most of that money is going to the Republican Party, and uh, uh, this. The knowledge that this is true in our elections now, since Citizens United was passed, uh, has caused apathy uh, among uh, among the voters, and that's what I was talking about uh, earlier, the apathy in Texas 
uh, at a time when we had one of the most uh, vibrant and vital candidates uh, running uh, for the Democratic uh, governorship, uh, we had uh, people just saying, oh, what the heck, um, it, our, my vote will not count because big money will uh, will win the day, which it did. So how to combat uh, this whole business of the, of the corporations and billionaires uh, funding elections uh, through PACs and through dark money uh, is with public funding that doubles or triples or quadruples small donors' efforts. Uh, and that's one thing, and that, that actually has worked for the Democrats this time. I've given many small donations that have been uh, doubled or tripled or quadrupled by uh, public money, uh, by uh, openly disclosed Democratic Party money. Um, so, and another thing is there is apparently an act called the Disclose Act, which it directly attacks um, Citizens United and dark money in particular. Uh, I don't know much about the Disclose Act and didn't have time to look it up, but apparently there's such an effort on, under underway in Congress. And then, of course, the FEC, the Federal Election Committee, our commission, um, has antiquated rules uh, that don't even include, include, include I'm sorry, include the uh, the term dark money. Um, uh, so the rules are uh, out of date, some 50 years or more, uh, while time marches on, and the uh, the FEC is just sort of uh, sitting there. Uh, hamstringed by its own regulations and, and nobody is bothering to uh, to update it and uh, put teeth back into it. So those are the only things, uh, the only one of these so far that has done any good is the public funding of small donors. And that has actually helped the Democrats win a bunch of these elections. Mm. So then the next thing I want to talk about is the Electoral College. Uh, so why, why was there a huge upswing in Democratic uh, voting in the country, a huge majority of individual votes? The popular vote outdid the, uh, the uh, Democratic popular vote, outdid the uh, Republican popular vote. But if we were to uh, be voting for in the Electoral College, <laughs> we might lose. And how could that be? Because the Electoral College is slanted in that way. The Founding Fathers in 1798 simply did not trust the people. They talked about all men being created equal and all that, but they didn't really believe it. Uh, they were afraid that small landowners and uneducated folks and so on would simply corrupt the government 
and go with the latest fad, and some of that is definitely true. But on the other hand, uh, the popular vote is the vote of the people. That is the will of the people. And the Electoral College, for the presidential election only, determines uh, who is going to lead the country, whereas all the other offices are... uh, our officers, I should say, are elected by popular vote. So we have this uh, aristocracy called the Electoral College that is going to choose our president. And most of you already know that, I'm sure. Uh, So who are you voting for when you cast your vote for our president? It's for a slate of electors that are appointed by the state's political parties and that electors are pledged to support that party's candidate, although so far they don't always do that, but it's rare when they they defect from the party line. Yeah, very rare. Yeah, Uh, and usually they they don't vote for the opposing candidate. They'll vote for uh, for, candidate. Somebody like uh, uh, like Sanders, for instance, uh, who also ran for uh, for president but didn't make it, uh, they'll do that kind of thing, which doesn't affect the outcome. So anyway, this leads to a focus on the battleground states uh, that can uh, help that help most because they have the most representatives that helps the can one candidate or the other to reach 270 of the 538 total electors that are presently making up the electoral college. So the states with the most votes, um, they are made up by two, two senators. Okay. Two votes for, for the two senators and one vote for each of the um, House of Representative districts. And that's why, for instance, in California, uh, we had uh, three, uh, we had what, 39 votes, was it? Let me see here. Uh, No, we had 50, we had 55, 55 electors, Uh, of course, Yeah. Um, And this is also a reason why California came in last when it came to counting votes uh, to finish the election, because they had so many uh, House of uh, Representatives coming in. Mm. Uh, So every state then Every state gets, uh, I made this point earlier, they get two senators. Um, And this is the case regardless of the state's population, which means that the rules for the Electoral College ignore the popular vote, at least for the senatorial votes. And for the... uh, uh, and for the other votes that they collect, that goes to how many uh, representatives for the House um, they have. 
And as far as I can, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, there are, I think, reasons why uh, just relying on the popular vote for the president also uh, might be uh, unadvisable. I mean, there are reasons for that uh, because there are uh, mainly the the media propagating. Uh, fake news and conspiracy theories are persuading people, ordinary voters, and usually those who are uneducated, uh, the poor, the recent immigrants who managed to have uh, gotten their, their citizenship, uh, but know very little, if anything, about our form of government, uh, and so on. There, there are masses of people who are not really educated in the electoral process and therefore who vote according to their emotions, uh, whom they uh, uh, they are attracted to one candidate or another uh, emotionally and therefore uh, they will vote for that person regardless of uh, whether they're actually suited for office. And so these are all things that militate against the popular vote and yet at the same time, uh, all men are created equal according to uh, our ideals, and therefore all, man, uh, all human beings in this country who have the right to vote should be able to vote and have their vote counted equally uh, and not discounted because uh, one state has more voters than another. And that is my... Uh, meditation on on the reasons why the election came out the way it did. Yeah. Well, listen, it sounds and you sound pretty right on. Despite all the gerrymandering, despite all the dark money, the Democrats did pretty well. Yeah. Of course, the the problems of inequity in uh, in population and the weight of uh, of the votes in various states but particularly i think gerrymandering determined the election yeah, yeah well I, and so how do you feel about that frank well i you know you you're you're right on um the uh, the couple points uh, you know like you asked an op- open ended question of why did the democrats come out I think that the polls underestimated Roe v. Wade, and I think the Democrats came out um, in droves in, in certain areas because of uh, a, a woman's uh, a reproductive uh, future and, and right. the choice over her, uh, you know, reproductive uh, say so. Um, so I think that was uh, that was tremendous. And uh, in addition to that, um, the for whatever reasons the polling didn't didn't reflect that and i i think you you had told me and maybe it was just in texas but you had told me that it was number 7 on a list of issues why the democrats would vote or what they would vote about and uh you know maybe that was just texas right. but it just wasn't showing up big like even in new york right uh, you know the right to life issue was not a was not the major issue um you know it, so when you uh when you come down to it uh that 
that makes a lot of sense that people showed up and that the Democrats withhold uh, not not a tidal wave or a red wave, but a tsunami, as one representative, one Republican said, this is going to be a tsunami. Yeah, it was Ted Cruz said that Ted it Cruz. would be a tsunami. Tsunami, yeah. yeah, well, you know, so much for his predictions. <laughs> yeah, that didn't, uh, it didn't turn out to be a tsunami, that's for, uh, that's for sure. Um, it, certainly, uh, ge- uh, geography played a, a, a big, uh, a, a big um, place in this. Uh, for example, Greg, ba- uh, Greg Abbott is blessed by geography. He, um, you know, he's surrounded by gun-loving Fox uh, TV loving, Newsmax loving uh, voters, and you know he he was almost it was almost unbeatable. Uh, Beto O'Rourke put up a you know put up a fight and a valiant try, but um, in retrospect, there was really no no chance that uh, that Greg uh, Abbott would lose in uh, in a place like Texas because he's blessed by geography. Um, having said that, the same thing goes for Kathy Hochul over. Uh, Lee Zeldin, and Lee Zeldin <laughs> gave her a scare, but uh, probably similar to what what Beto O'Rourke did, right? We, she was about five points down, uh, yes. f- four or five points down, and I guess that's where Beto was. So both of them ran to form. They they say a racehorse always runs to form, and uh, that means you know you could start on the outside, but if it's an inside runner that it'll come into, and by the way, I don't know much about horse racing, but uh, they, they say, you know, watch a racehorse always run to form. So if it's an outside runner and you force it to be on the inside, it'll it'll move to the outside. So uh, uh, Kathy Hochul and uh, New York are, is, you know, are representatives of what a blue state is, you know, an extremely blue state. And Zeldin put up a valiant fight from his end, the same way Beto O'Rourke did in uh, in Texas. But there, nothing doing, right? It, w- it just wasn't going to happen. And logic uh, takes over. Uh, this is a blue state. You live in a red state, and they both ran to form, just like those race horse, racehorses yeah. would uh, would run to form. As far as the electoral college, regardless of of what you think or what I may think of the electoral college. Uh, it's a very hard thing to over uh, overturn. Um, do you need a uh, uh, do you need a constitutional amendment to to yes. do it? Yeah, it's. I just yeah, I don't know that that's that's going to happen. Um, right. Because they. Yeah, it would ha- it would take a constitutional convention. Yeah. Uh, to redraw the constitution in that regard, anyway, and uh, that's that's something that would have to be approved by both parties. And, that, <laughs> and I just don't think the Republicans are going to countenance that because they have a good chance of of uh, gerrymandering their way into government uh, uh, if it's maintained, and so they're going to keep it. You know, um, the, it, uh, a, big, a big issue always was INR, initiative and referendum, uh, on, on different sides. And the um, there are a couple of issues uh, such as same day voter registration that will uh, be supported by the Thames and initiative and referendum is something that um, that I think a lot of people on the right uh, would support. Some unions uh, support it uh, because you know maybe wages uh, you know moving up the living wage and they think they can win that. But initiative and referendum is where the 
where the people, where the public gets a chance to put their own, uh, their own, uh, and we have it, you know, we have it in some form or another in, in many states, but uh, a, a lot of people that are afraid of abortion laws being changed, mm-hmm. you know, certainly in the, um, in, in the in South, the in the Midwest, uh, they don't want initiative refer- referendum because uh, they're going to outlaw abortion, right? They're going to outlaw it. Actually, yeah. uh, Frank, when it comes to um, uh, to the uh, abortion issue, if it alone, if it was one of the provisions on or articles uh, on the ballot, uh, there was a greater turnout. And so I think in the states such as Texas, and possibly New York uh, and others, if they did not have it on the ballot, then that uh, that relegated the uh, the whole thing of right to life versus choice to position number seven on uh, the right. list of concerns. Uh, but if it was on the ballot, then it reminded everybody, oh yeah, <laughs> right. uh, if we don't vote uh, for uh, choice. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be having a, a national law banning abortions next thing when the Republicans get more power. Right, interesting. Uh, yeah. So they voted against it, and they came out to do so. Yeah, very uh, interesting. And yeah. then, then going back to uh, to Texas for a moment, and uh, and Abbott, and what the situation is. Uh, Abbott, of course, you're quite right, uh, is still in the pocket of the NRA, who uh, has been uh, funding him enormously during during the years he's been in, uh, this is his third term now, uh, he's been in office. Um, and he is mainly concerned uh, with uh, the, uh, uh, with the border, the, the border and inflation were his two great issues. But nonetheless, 14 women got um, elected to the state legislature. They're all Republican women, but 14 women, and that is a first. There, I think, were one or two uh, before. Um, And uh, there there were two blacks voted in this time, and that's a first. Uh, Texas has been a, a solid... Uh, white state as far as its legislature uh, up to now. All of a sudden that is has broken. That ceiling is broken. And four Muslims. Get that. Wow. Uh, so we have uh, our newspaper today, our Express News, uh, was bragging about how diverse our legislature legislators are. Of course, it's solidly Republican. There's not a Democrat in the bunch. But <laughs> that was elected anyway. Um, and one of these women um, was asked by a reporter, okay, she, uh, what issues are you concerned about? And the woman said, oh, uh, I would like to have all of uh, women's products, commercial products, tax-free. And he said, what do you mean? He said, uh, and she said, um, well, uh, tampons and Kotex and things like that should not, a woman should not have to pay tax on that. Wow. And he said, uh, okay, I understand that. Yeah. But 
uh, what else, other than women's issues, what else uh, are you concerned about? And she said, um, the, securing the border and wow. uh, and what else? I guess it was in, inflation and securing the border. It was not n- not different from what Abbott was concerned about. Maybe so taxes, really, taxes and uh, um, oh, yeah, lowering taxes it was the other one, lowering taxes. And, of course, the taxes always get lowered for the wealthy and not right. for the poor. Uh, so anyway, uh, that all of this, our government is now devoted to lowering taxes. That is supposed to be lowering inflation and, of course, securing the border, uh, which leaves out entirely um, education, for instance, concerns with the fact that we are 45th in the nation in our education ranking, and we are probably last as far as health is concerned because Governor Abbott refuses to expand Medicare, uh, Medicaid. Medicare is uh, the law of the land, so he can't do anything against that. But Medicaid, yes, which means that thousands and thousands of Texans are without insurance because they're too poor for Obamacare. And... uh, uh, and otherwise, they have no recourse except to go to the emergency room, which taxpayers are paying for anyway. So that's the situation here yeah. <laughs> in Texas. So uh, nothing has changed from uh, uh, from last uh, October, and will continue for the next two years. Of, well, next four years for us. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, just uh, and yeah. Go ahead. I think I was wrong. I said that uh, uh, Abbott's term was six years. I think I was wrong about that. Yeah, I haven't actually years. looked it up, but I'm pretty sure that was a uh, that was a worst case scenario that I dreamt up somewhere. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I so four years. He's got another four years, and um, you know, still it's uh, it's it's a good long term. He's he's got a uh, you know it. Let's see if he's going to be uh, uh, entertained as a vice presidential candidate from anyone. Um, I don't know that they would need uh, him uh, because one of the reasons you take a vice president is is to try to secure your home state and or their home state. And uh, Texas should be in the Republican hands uh, if they um, if, uh, if 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 uh, if not, they're in serious trouble uh, to to elect. Um, you know, somewhere along the line, I'm sure we'll be talking about Trump again. You know, let's face it, he's gearing up, and I don't know that it's going as well for him as as he would like it to. Right. Uh, it's interesting. It, it sort of goes back and forth. Some some people are are thrilled. <laughs> uh, let's see. How did it go? It was it was a quip. Uh, that his his motto should be make America great again. Um, anyway, it, it was it repeated great great yeah. oh, make yeah. America great and great again something like that. Anyway, uh, it, uh, the acronym for the for great. And great is gag. <laughs> so <laughs> make America gag again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, 
know, <laughs> you know, one of the things that's that's happening, and that this is, we need more time to discuss it. But uh, they are, you know, attacking each other. He's calling Ron DeSantis, Ron, um, uh, was it uh, disingenuous <laughs> or something like that? He's really taking shots at Ron DeSantis, and and yeah. Ron DeSantis is really uh, probably the future of the Republican Party, and um, and he he brings to the table a lot of what the Trump voters want in a candidate, and and he doesn't bring to the table the uh, the Twitter baggage or whatever um, people would consider uh, as being uh, unhinged Trump uh, traits, and yeah. uh, so. You know, you're going to start seeing uh, that erode. Uh, it's not as simply uh, calling uh, Ted Cruz lying Ted and yep. getting away with it. This is going to be more for a uh, uh, the a fight for the heart and soul of the uh, of the Republican Party. Um, DeSantis is very very popular, and uh, I don't think he could dismiss him the way he d- dismisses uh, who he called Little Marco, right? Uh, Marco right. Rubio, and yeah. I don't, he can't he can't take on DeSantis that way. So anyway, it's going to be a much different situation. It could be a very fractured Republican Party. Uh, and if Trump yeah. emerges, uh, could you see a? And again, th- uh, this is a conversation for another day. We don't have time for this, but uh, could you see a Lynn Cheney running as a Lincoln uh, Republican on a third party uh, line or somebody along those lines? Because there are Republicans that will never let. Trump win uh, the election. They'll uh, they'll split the party before they uh, they they bow yeah. to him, and uh, that's what I mean. Uh, you know, is that are those threats real? Um, are they realistic? Uh, we'll uh, you know we'll see. But that's that's a long way away. But I, I think you've been right on about this, and and that's not me taking a position one way or the other. But your analysis is uh, absolutely right on what happened, and um, you know, look, it's. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's not the tsunami that Ted Cruz promised, but at the same time, some big wins for the Republicans, and uh, and definitely some big wins for the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least the Senate. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Raphael Warnock is going to win Georgia. Yeah, I would think. Uh, it may be thin because of all the dark money that's been poured in. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, but I think uh, he'll win anyway. Uh, and if he does, then we have control of the Senate. Yeah. And surely something, if if there are a backlog of, if, if there is a backlog of bills in the Senate already having been passed by the House, uh, it could very well be that some of these, of this really significant legislation can get through. And we shall see. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doc. Uh, just a great job as always. Uh, thank you very much for the insight and the wisdom. Um, and and as always, we thank every everyone for tuning in. Uh, we know you have a lot of choices, but thank you very much, uh, Doc. Thank you. Well, you're most welcome. And uh, yeah, it was just a a little meditation on how it happened. Yeah. Uh, and it could not have been under otherwise with the Supreme Court and the. Uh, and the change in laws that we have had in the last few years. So there we are. Yeah, well, uh, once again, thank you to you, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. Frank McKay signing off. You've been listening to Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. 
And we'll talk to you next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>